Well, the title of the message today is Your Legal Victory. Your Legal Victory. I don't know if you may need a legal victory right now, but it's actually not about that. But, you know, it may help in something like that. But this is about your legal victory as a believer in Jesus Christ through what Jesus did for us. And I'd love to start out with a little story, a little something funny. I had heard this story decades ago. I was listening to Christian radio, and I never forgot it. But a guy was in a supermarket, and he was very hungry and had no money. And so the last thing he could think of is, I just, I have to steal. I, I've got to steal because I'm so hungry. And so he went to the refrigerated section, and he wanted some sausages and so he opened the glass case and he put, started to stash the sausages into his coat or his, his, I don't know, his pockets, whatever. And he turned around to walk out the door of the supermarket, not realizing that one sausage link was connected to another sausage link, which was connected to another sausage link. And before you knew it, he was, had a train of sausage coming out from him. And, and that sounded wrong. And when he turned, when he turned around, when he turned around, <laughs> I'm, well, well, <laughs> I'm glad this is not live stream right now. <laughs> Thank God for recordings that we, <laughs> that we got off to the editing room. That's exactly right. Why did it cut there and then just move to another place? And then went to, yeah. So he turned around and he saw what was happening. And before he knew it, when he turned around, he he spun around and and next thing you know, he was entangled in the sausage links and then fell over and was in this mess of really his own doing, his own sin. And he was caught up and everyone was kind of looking at him like, This is ridiculous. What is I wish it could be a TikTok video, but like what what is going on what what's happening with this guy and and obviously he was i don't know i don't know what happened to him but the point is he was caught in his own mess he was caught in his own sin and really all of us need deliverance don't we we need to be delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the to the kingdom of Jesus Christ and be free but there is a foundation for our freedom. And there is a legal, a spiritually legal foundation for our victory. And so I want to talk about that today. And in order to do that, I want to go back to the beginning in the book of Genesis. It's a, a book of beginnings. And I want to look at God's plan from the beginning when it comes to his design for his people when it comes to the subject of overcoming and getting victory in your life. And so back in Genesis, man was originally made and created and given authority. He was created with dominion. Do you, do you understand that? Do you realize that? Created, we were created with dominion. Man was created and God gave him rulership of the earth, to be master of its resources. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have, what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, 
and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then a, another scripture that kind of mirrors that is Psalm 8, 6 through 9. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Our, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So we were created with great destiny, great purpose, and the ability to have, given by God, the ability to have dominion and rulership over this planet that he created. But the, 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 the tragedy in all of this is the tragedy of Adam. Our entire universe is governed by laws, governed by laws. That is established in every realm. We know that in, in science, we know that in, in every area of, of life, in or, the order of creation and the order of man, there are, there are governing laws. And when God created man, he legally gifted him with authority and dominion over the earth. So Adam's failure in the fall means that what Adam had initially, what he had been given, was Adam's responsibility, and he fumbled with that, and he forfeited it. He gave up his authority through disobedience. And here's the thing. God could not override by force Satan's conquest of Adam. Oh, God had the power. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He had the power to do it, but he would not because he would have violated his own moral principle of government. Are you guys still with me now? You still with me? So after Adam's fall... And I say Adam because he was ultimately responsible to God for he and Eve. After Adam's fall, had God intervened and forcibly repossessed the title to earth from Satan after it had been lost, it have, would have been without due process of law. It would have been beyond God's character to override what had been lost. You follow that? Okay, so when Adam chose to obey Satan, he became Satan's slave. The Bible is really clear about that. Romans 6, 16, do, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So, as a slave of Satan, Adam lost all of his legal rights, not only to his person, but he lost all of his dominion. And this gave Satan legal authority, legal dominion to rule over man and rule over the earth. If you ever wonder why things are so bad and things are horrible, you see bad things happening, well, look at, look at the God of the age who is over 
the dominion of this world. It is a mess. It is a, 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 it is a tragedy, and it was not God's original plan. So if Satan's domain was to be revoked, a divine plan had to be implemented to undo the mess, rightly and justly, as I said earlier, through, the, through due process. And God had just the right plan, praise God. In order to undo the hold and the control that Satan had over mankind, mankind had to be redeemed. Fallen man had to be redeemed in order for him to regain his lost authority without violating universal principles of justice. And God, as I said before, would not violate his moral character or the way that he governs. And so he did not simply annul legally what Adam had lost. And certainly no angel could have jumped in and entered the contest legally because these legal rights were never those of angels. So the only one who could undo what had been done would have had to have been someone from Adam's race. The only problem is that no one was capable in Adam's race of overcoming the enemy, of overcoming Satan and undoing this whole thing. Why? Because remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if anyone were trying to say, well, I'll, I'll take this on, I'll redeem mankind, they would have been shut down instantly and immediately because of the sin nature. And so a slave, remember we said a person who, like in Adam's case, obeyed Satan, became a slave. A slave has no legal standing and cannot enter into court or lawfully participate in litigation of any kind. That's true, isn't it? And so the only human who could stand in court had to be someone with whom Satan had no claim, right? It had to be someone who was legally qualified to bring suit to cancel Satan's jurisdiction over mankind and over the earth, and that brings us and leads us to the incarnation. Oh, hallelujah. The incarnation. This is where it happened. If you ever wondered why the incarnation and the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is listed among the most of the most essential historic Christian doctrines. It is about what we're going to talk about right now. This is so vitally important. You know, there's certain essential, historic, essential Christian doctrines, and every main Christian church holds to these doctrines these main Christian doctrines. And if you don't have any one of those, don't go to that church. Because they are essential Christian doctrines. And this is one of them, the incarnation, the virgin birth of Christ. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, 
born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Praise God. So this is how God solved the problem through the incarnation. Since Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the divine nature was present within him. Because he was sinless, Satan had no claim on him. Because he was made of a woman, he was an authentic human being who was qualified to enter the court and legally fight the reclaim of Adam's lost estate. Can somebody say, praise the Lord? Amen. Now, it was completely necessary that the incarnation also be a virgin birth. Let me explain. If Jesus had been born of both human parents, Joseph and Mary in this case, he would have been 100% human and been Adam's descendant, sinful nature and all. But Jesus was more than that. Jesus was 100% human and 100% divine in the virgin birth. When the early church was gathering to form things like the Nicene Creed and these different creeds of, of doctrine, of sound doctrine, they, they, they struggled with this big time. Some would say, well, maybe he was 50% human and 50% God, and they were struggling. Finally, they came to the conclusion that there was no other way to define it except for the fact that Jesus Christ was 100% human and 100% God. And that's wonderful, isn't it? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He is God in human flesh. And that is really important. God in human flesh is really important because when it came to defeating Satan, that was really important. Like when Jesus was, when temptation time came around, Jesus was tempted, but he was also God the Son. He was fully qualified to overcome. How many of you know that when God enters into a contest, he's, go- he's entering into it to win? Amen? Amen. So, and yet it was a temptation. It was a real human temptation that Jesus faced in, in many ways. Luke 1.35 says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit, Mary, will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So in order to qualify legally, he had to be human. In order to qualify morally, he had to be sinless and divine. One in whom Satan had no claim and no authority over. And so there enters the conflict. It is the conflict of the ages. In 33 years, there was a massive struggle for the fate of all humanity in 33 years. And Satan knew it. He knew it in the fact that his pressure on Jesus, his pressure on the Son of God for 33 years was to get Jesus, was to get Christ to separate in his unity between him and the Father. That was where the struggle was. Do you remember Jesus said that when he walked planet Earth? He said, I am here to do one thing, 
I am here to do the will of my Father. If you ever, if anyone asks you, what was Jesus' uh, purpose in coming to earth? The, for our first answer is the cross, right? But really, the first answer needs to be, he was here to do the will of his heavenly Father. Period. Period. And that happened to include going to the cross, and that happened to include saving you and me. But Satan did everything he could to try to disunify the Father and the Son during those 30, 33 years. If Satan were to win this fight, he would remain in rulership. It would be all over. All would be lost. So there was a lot at stake there. Jesus was very God, and he was very man. In order for justice to be served, Jesus had to win this battle as a man. He had to win this battle as a man. Even though he had all the resources of his divinity available to him, he chose not to tap into those resources, but he engaged Satan in this, de this decisive conflict as one unfallen human being. One unfallen human being. Oh, praise God. This is just, I just get excited about this. It's so powerful to know what Jesus did. So the battle of the ages was on. And so he tried to force a breakdown in Jesus' allegiance to his father, whether it was the temptation in the wilderness, whether it was the opposition of the scribes and Pharisees, the Garden of Gethsemane, Pilate's judgment hall, the brutality of the cross. It was all trying to pressure Christ, pressure Jesus to disunify and rebel against his father. For instance, in the wilderness, when Jesus was tempted, Satan offered him, do you remember? He offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he would bow down and worship him. And do you realize that in that, Jesus did not challenge Satan's claims? He didn't say, you're wrong. Why? Because because. Satan had gained control over earth, over the kingdoms of this world. So he wasn't, Jesus wasn't denying that, but he did use scripture, didn't he? And he did proclaim out of his mouth, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve, right? Praise God he did that. Praise God he got the victory there, right? In the garden, there was so much pressure on Jesus that he even got to the point where he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. I mean, we're talking about divine. We're talking about God the Son was pressured so much that he said, I feel so sorrowful that uh, even to the point of, of death. The Bible says that sweat with drops of blood hit the ground because of the pressure, the intense pressure that he was under. And we have no idea the scale or the magnitude of what Jesus was facing in those moments. And he said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. I think the agony in the garden was, was not so much about the physical pain that Jesus was getting ready to endure on the cross. I think and there may have been that because of Jesus' humanness, but I think even more than that, if you think about it, 
Jesus was agonizing over the fact that as a sinless, pure soul, think about it, a sinless, pure soul who had never known sin was about for the first time to take on sin, to become sin, and not only forfeit his fellowship with the Father, but become the object of the Father's dislike and disgust. An, a, a, an innocent soul who had never sinned was about to take on our sin and become the object of our Father's, his Father's, dislike and disgust. He was judged guilty of the sin of humankind and condemned to pay the full price of all the combined sin of the world. Your sin, my sin, for all humanity, for all history and and beyond us. He took it on himself. That thought of separation, I believe, is where the anguish came. I don't want to be away from you, Father. Are you sure we have to go through this? And once Jesus decided, this is what's so powerful, once Jesus decided in those moments to surrender his will to the Father when he said, not my will, but your will be done, it seemed when he surrendered, it seemed from that moment on that the crisis had passed. He accepted the cup. And from that moment on, the scourging, the crown of thorns, the Via Dolorosa, Golgotha, were like the calm after the storm. If you look how Jesus was from the garden on, with the exception of one event. Remember when he was on the cross? When the father hid himself, so to speak, from his son, as his son became sin for us, the heart of that separation in that moment, which he was dreading, the, the heart of separation in God's Son could endure no more. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he died of a broken heart. He died in those moments. And yet, in all of this, not once did Jesus ever give in to the pressure Satan put on him for 33 years to rebel against his own father. And this, hallelujah, became the undoing of Satan. Hebrews 2.14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same. He took on flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. When Jesus died, he was sinless, innocent. When he died as a human being, then that was um, Satan's overreaching, and it was his undoing. That's where Jesus got the victory. This was Satan's legal undoing. And there is so much that happened, if you think about it. There's so much that happened on the cross. I mean, Jesus was not only destroying the works of Satan, but he was becoming the ultimate sacrifice once and for all, for, all, for you and me. 
God looked at that sacrifice, remember, and he was appeased. He was pleased. It's called the propitiation. That means God looked down and he was pleased with the sacrifice once and for all for sin. There's so much that happened there on the cross. And that is where God got the victory through Jesus Christ for you and for me. This is the triumph of the ages. This is your legal victory. Hallelujah. Through the cross, you have been given authority. You no longer have to live as a slave. You are victorious. You are an overcomer. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. Praise God.